Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Tonight is a pivotal night. We're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and either Ron DeSantis is still going to be in this race, we're going to get a surprise, or we're going to get chalk like we say in sports. Well, that's one TV pun that you shouldn't listen to. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. He's only delaying the inevitable. I am Nick Saveri. That's right. The inevitable happened last night. Everybody had talked about it. The quest for second place. We finally got our results. Special episode, Nick and I, recapping the night that was with the Iowa caucus yesterday. So funny to see. Obviously, you heard at the top of the show there. Uh, me on the preview show for CNN, we were talking about this and what everyone expected. I had been talking for weeks. We've been talking about it on the show here. You and I, Nick, about Ron DeSantis, how much money he spent in Iowa, how much he's campaigned in Iowa. The guy lived in Iowa, it felt like. Um, and again, as a citizen of the state of Florida, you know, you didn't see him that much in the state here. Uh, and that was one of the big talking points by uh, Charlie Chris that was running against them when they were running for Florida governor. He's like, hey, do you guys want somebody that's going to be in the state or do you guys want somebody that's going to be, you know, a way out of town campaigning to run for president of the United States? So um, we saw it on display last night. I made an analogy. I'll bring it here because Nick will get it. Um, the Yankees every year spend millions of millions of dollars, luxury tax. They acquire all these players in politics. It's the same thing. You spend all this money. You want a return on your investment. And last night, Governor DeSantis did not get a return on his investment. And you saw they started messaging a little bit different about, well, if we get a second place finish, that'll be great. The, the votes last night, 8.30 p.m. This is what it sounded like on CNN. 
CNN projects that Donald Trump will win the Iowa caucuses. CNN can make this projection based on his overwhelming lead in our entrance poll of Iowa caucus goers and some initial votes that are coming in. The former president pulling off a huge early victory in his bid to return to the White House. Trump easily defeating his top opponents, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, who are now in a high stakes fight for second place. So 40 delegates in the state last night up for grabs, 51 percent of the vote went to Donald John Trump, 56,260 is a tally as of 1244 as we're recording this, Nick. Uh, so he gained 20 delegates. Ron DeSantis came in second, 21.2% of the vote. He got nine delegates. Nikki Haley, eight delegates with her, 19%, 21,000 people came out to vote for her. And then Vivek, who ended up dropping out of the race and will bid him farewell with no boys to men music as we would normally do. For others, uh, he only gained three delegates to 7.7% of the vote. You sent me a great article from, I think it's Ben Jacobs over at Slate about Iowa and the caucus and why it's the first in the nation, but maybe it doesn't matter as much. What'd you make of, as somebody watching this kind of unfold last night, what'd you make of it all from, from the TV perspective, watching it from the returns that came in, how fast the networks called it, and now where we go from here in, in New Hampshire? Yeah, you gave a sports analogy. You actually gave a... I like the one you gave a lot about the Yankees. Um, you know, the the one that comes to mind for me most recently was like that Seattle-Denver Super Bowl, like the, all the hype playing up to it. You know, that game ended in about a minute, right? So that's what yesterday felt like in Iowa. You know, I'm taking a little bit of a victory lap this morning with every, you know, seeing all the tweets and the posts about, well, it's only 56,000 people. This is a small fraction of, you know, the register Republicans nationally. And it's like all this stuff like I've been echoing forever um, for anyone who knows me in the way I sort of discuss politics. I've never been a fan of the Iowa caucus. Uh, it's asinine to me that a state with such a small population, you know, has the honor of somehow kicking off, um, you know, primary season. It's stupid. Um, Iowa for the last three election cycles has not picked or has not been the predictor for the winner. So any victory lap that Donald Trump's taking right now, now, yes, he's the presumptive favorite. I I mean, th this is a group of people who nominated Rick Santorum at some point. Um, you know, they it is what it is, folks. But let me as um, my head's swirling because I feel like there's so many things here, you know, like for television, for example. And I'm excited Mike's on television and, it, and you know, the the beast needs to feed so the hype about iowa all these debates it really just landed like a wet fart honestly like in the it's, end we knew what was going to happen right and it did happen it did that's not to say that i'm not interested in new hampshire coming up Agreed. i think that haley's efforts there i'm very interested to see how that all shakes out but Iowa, all the polling data we saw told us what was going to happen the fact that tapper at 8 30 called it I joke with my wife. It's like he had a bus to catch, right? <laughs> like this was, it was, it, you know, I went through these motions where I tend to disparage the state of Iowa. I try not to shout at the Caitlin Clark, but I also feel a little bad too. the article I sent you from Slate. And there really is an awesome article about where Iowa is not what it used to be in terms of, um, you know, serving as a critical primary, you know, now we're in the age of social media. We're at a time where people have already made their decision. The caucus model in Iowa, this idea of people being able to speak up for their candidates, try to win people over, people are there in person, 
I can make an argument that all of this is outdated and hokey, but it means something to the people of Iowa. And for them, I feel a little bad because you you strive for this to be the launch of primary season, which is supposed to be historically the idea that people walk into this time of the year in the quest to identify the candidate. It feels like early on that for the Republicans, it's been a foregone conclusion. And every primary coming up north or sorry, New Hampshire, South Carolina, is this really what we're going to see? Is this just a wrecking ball of momentum that goes through? And if it is, then to all the candidates other than Trump, then you wasted your time. And money. I mean, yeah. that's the big. Well, that's the other part, too, right? Like you have. Can you imagine? Actually, I'm glad you brought up money for a minute. I'm going to go ahead and bring up money. I'm going to bring up effort. So let's talk about Vivek for a minute. So. And there's more I wrote about this. Maybe I'll put it on Facebook or um, Instagram as a separate you know, thought later. But. You know, here's this guy, independently wealthy, takes donations, has a staff. There are employees involved here. They're out on the day of in the freezing cold, trying to do their job as campaign people. I've done this kind of work before. I did this for Jim McGreevy's campaign way back in the early, I think, 2000s or so. Um, it's thankless work. You don't get paid a whole lot of money, but you do it because theoretically you have a belief in the candidate. You think that you are betting on the right horse. And here's Vivek gets his butt handed to him in Iowa. Shockingly. I don't know if, Mike, if you saw some of these clips, but people in Iowa that said things like, well, I can't trust this guy, his last name. You know, he gives me 9-11 vibes. Like, and the thing is, I don't even feel offended for Vivek because he knew this was going to happen. This is a Harvard graduate. This is a smart man. You knew you're not going to win the presidency. So what did you really do? You raise a lot of money, you hire the staff, you promoted yourself, and you walk away with a brand. Was that really what you wanted then? Was that the victory that Can you I, parlay this into a show on Newsmax or something? Can I and answer? If it is. Go ahead. It, it is. I mean, that's mm -hmm. it. You just you just answered your own question. That's a rhetorical question. I mean, look, I think there's two schools of thought. Uh, before we, I want to play some sound too from the candidates talking uh, last night. Vivek, you know, we haven't invited him on the show. I happen to know his communications director. So now I feel for her because, you know, like you just said, there are people that are working here tirelessly. They're they're attaching this wagon to this horse. And then all of a sudden this horse comes in fourth, which everyone knew was going to happen. And by midnight, you know, Caitlin Collins on CNN was saying that she heard from the Ramaswamy campaign that they're they're hanging it up. But back to your overall point, he was doing this to get noticed. Did you know who Vivek Ramaswamy was before? I didn't even know about his books. I knew nothing about him, except now I know the fixture that he is going to be for this, I say, further right party, because his economic policies I was on board with listening to, because I, I'll listen to a CEO talk about zero-based budgeting, because I don't know anything about that, but I'll listen to it. Even though I've managed operating budgets, I'll listen to it. But then he started, you know, just copy and pasting whatever he saw in the comment section. So kudos to him for knowing that I'm going to get out and now I can do this. I can, I can transition to TV. He can become a contributor. Welcome in the water's warm Vivek. Um, he's, he's going to have his options to be able to do that because Andrew Yang parlayed that. And then I look at the opposite lane here. I want to shout out Ryan Binkley, who we had on this program, who's running, he finished fifth in Iowa. 
funny enough. Um, and think about this. He finished fifth and Asa Hutchinson was the governor of a state and he finished sixth, dead last. So, but Ryan Binkley right now, again, independently wealthy, had a good message, no buzzwords, talking points. I've played that for a lot of conservative or Republican listeners, primary voters. What'd you think of this candidate? Even some independents across different states. I really like that guy. How come no one's talking about him? I don't know. I tried to give him as much attention as we can. Go ahead, Nick. Why is nobody talking about yeah, him? That's a great question. I don't I don't know. I, well, I think the shorter answer is that people jump on to who they've heard about. You mentioned Vivek a moment ago. Yeah, I was familiar with his book about, quote unquote, woke business. Um, but when he ran, I didn't connect. I'm like, wait a minute. I heard about this book. It's the same guy. In the case of Ryan, Ryan's a good example of what I just was talking about this with my wife a moment ago. There's a romanticism to running for the running for the job of president. It's a public servant's job. It's the most notable one in the country. Um, if you really give a damn about this, if you're really in it because you want to lead, if you feel like you have a vision for this country, whether I agree with it or not, I'm willing to hear you. The Republican Party, and this is somewhat true about the Democrats, is just loaded with con artists. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even someone like Chris Christie, who is a smart man, who's done this a couple of times before, you know, you're not going to win. So you pull out early. You keep your name going. So this way, people still pick you up on networks. But in the case of Ryan, when he was on this show, um, I appreciate our conversation. And I certainly, as most people know, who listened or watched this show, I don't agree with much of what he stands for, but I respect him. If he had gotten to the general election in November, I'm not pressing the button next to his name. But had he won the presidency, I would have been willing to see his vision unroll out for the country. Right. We don't have enough folks like that. I do believe that Nikki Haley is in it for the reason of trying to win the presidency. Um, there are so far and few between. See, in 2016, the feeling I had then was that everyone, with the exception of Trump, really thought they had a shot. Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, um, you know, there was a, I got the feeling like these people are all trying to win this job. And that's changed. And maybe that may be one of Trump's legacies that, you know, cause a ruckus, get in here, make a spectacle of yourself and build your brand. Right. Well, listen, Trump's, yeah, go ahead. let me, let me play some sound from the winner of the Iowa caucuses last night. 
here is the former president of the United States after every, everything was announced. This was around, I think, 1030 Central Time. And then we're going to play DeSantis and Nikki Haley's. Uh, it's not really a concession speech. I mean, you still kind of finish in second and third and you get some delegates there. Take a listen to the former president. We want to thank the great people of Iowa. Thank you. We love you all. What a turnout. What a crowd. Or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. That's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. We're going to rebuild our cities and we'll work with the Democrats to do it. I'd be glad to work with the people in New York. We're going to work with the people in Chicago and L.A. We're going to rebuild our cities and we're going to make them safe. We had a great, we were a great nation three years ago, and now we're a nation in decline. We are going to turn it around so fast. It's going to happen so fast. We're going to drill. We're going to make great, we have great wealth. We're going to drill. We're going to use that money to lower your taxes even further. We gave you the biggest tax cut in history. And we're going to lower them further, and we're also going to pay off national debt. It's about time. My co-host is laughing there uh, because he, he says- Who really benefited from the tax cut? Uh, hold on. We're going to drill into that in a second, but we're going to come together. We're going to come together. And then literally the next 12 minutes of that speech was just attacking certain things, the process, attacking some folks. I, I was like scrolling through it. I'm like, this is wild. Some of the networks actually cut away from it. Let's actually listen now to uh, Governor DeSantis and Nikki Haley, because they they spoke later on in the evening. I want you to take a listen to what, what both of them said, and then we're going to react to all of it. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running. I was at 2% in the polls. But tonight, Iowa did what Iowa always does so well. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond, say tonight Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race now I'm not a math major is a line I've said before but there's still three people left in this field but into her point the latest American research group survey next week Nick 406 Republicans 194 independents are a part of this survey in New Hampshire this was from January 12th up until last night 
Donald Trump and Nikki Haley amongst that group of primary voters in New Hampshire are tied at 40% each. Ron DeSantis in third at 4%. Not one, not two, not three, not four. So I want to get kind of your reactions here of, well, first off, we don't really need to dissect what Trump said. I mean, it's, it's the greatest hits. He says it all the time. Um, at the beginning, he did start by thanking a lot of different people, but he knew he was going to win. The margin of victory that he won by is the highest ever for an Iowa caucuses, for an Iowa caucus, excuse me, I say caucus like 10 times fast. Um, and 186,000 voters is the largest turnout ever for a Republican Iowa caucus. Last night, you got less than 100,000 people that came out. I posted a video on our IG um, social page, on our IG story, excuse me, for, for Can We Please Talk? And I was in D.C. It was 20 degrees and snowing. In Iowa, it had already snowed the day before. It was minus seven degrees. Okay? So, again, not a math major. And wind chill made it, made it like negative 27. So... 750,000 registered Republicans in the state, Nick, and you got about 12 and a half percent, maybe 14 percent that turned out to go vote for the former president, uh, caucus, excuse me, for the former president. And he won by such a commanding lead. What do you make now of as we start to pivot to New Hampshire and we're going to start devoting some more coverage to this? We have somebody coming on the program, actually, that is very steeped in New Hampshire knowledge, ran for um, a, a position up there in the state, also ran a campaign for somebody on the national level as well. So more on that coming up in, in, in one of our, our next episodes before the 23rd. But what do you make of as now we pivot to the next state, what Haley just said there at the end, you know, obviously she finished third in Iowa. She spent a lot of money in Iowa over the last month, $35 million in attack ads. DeSantis spent $30 million himself, um, and both of them get a third and second place finish, respectively, and it wasn't really close at all. I mean, you would have hoped you get Donald Trump in the low 40s so you can make the national case as you continue through primary season to be at 51%. Uh, and again, in a state that's, you know, red, I mean, it voted for Barack Obama years ago, but it's been Trump the last uh, two cycles. So what do you make of it all now as we head to New Hampshire? Yeah, New Hampshire, New Hampshire always felt like the actual beginning of this race. Um, Iowa seemed like such a foregone conclusion. And I'm glad you mentioned the difference between the number of registered <clears throat> Republicans in Iowa versus who actually showed up. Because in general, the numbers for what Iowa represents has always been minuscule. You know, there's currently about 2 million voters, registered voters in Iowa, of which 761,000 761, are Republicans. Folks, there's 38.8 million registered Republicans in the U.S. So we're talking basically about 1.9% of all Republican voters that what we saw yesterday is somehow a testament to this. It's nonsense. New Hampshire plays to me a little more of an interesting role because it does become a matter of you know, who falls between Haley and DeSantis on the subject of Haley, though, what we just saw today, earlier today about her not part choosing to participate in a debate without Trump, I think is probably one of the most brilliant moves I've seen in this political cycle. For one, she is now 
called the bluff of all the TV networks that have basically been just using this for fodder because with the strike, there's not much entertainment you can put on television. Well, now what are you going to do? Because you got to get the big man out there and he's too busy in court. And he's thought he's not had to answer directly to a candidate. I still think he could probably, you know, take her apart on a debate stage because very few people can do that to him. But at least she gets the legitimacy of being on the stage with him, which is what matters the most now. New Hampshire, I think, begins the separation between Haley and, and DeSantis. That's it. I mean, we're looking for who is going to actually get on the, the debate stage because inevitably, as we get through these primaries, Trump will be on a stage at some point with one of his Republican um, rivals for the nomination. That That's just that's likely. So does she get that opportunity? Um, I would. Yeah. Like I said, I all the numbers that came in of like how minuscule this is in the grand scheme of things. I'm like, I've been saying this for years. Um, so I'm I applaud where Haley brings up a good point. I also as a side note, like the math kind of tells you that you know, proportionally she's probably had the biggest jump. Now, again, if you still come in third, right, what does that tell you? But what it means, though, is that when she entered the race to where she is now, she's probably had the most most of a climb than any other candidate. And that is saying something, because I think she is. I think she's running down DeSantis. And as you've talked about, because I very much have been out on the primaries for Republicans, because it seems like a foregone conclusion. But you, to your credit, were the one who kept bringing up the fact, watch where Haley keeps projecting out. Because there's a legitimate chance that we may be looking at this come spring and suddenly the separation between, say, her and Trump is not as wide. And then with bigger primaries coming in and more delegates on the table, could this work out so it's not a complete majority going into the convention? Yep. And if that and that that may well be the case. I think the weather that we saw in Iowa and, you know, it's always a factor, but it is telling. I think one thing that's been coming up from other pundits is the fact that, you know, despite all of it, you still had half of registered voters in Iowa did not choose Trump registered Republican voters. And that could well be saying something about either voter apathy that they don't want to participate in the process or it's anyone but Trump. And I remember in 2016, you know, they voted for Ted Cruz. They I mean, right. And in 2012, Rick Santorum, 2012, in 2008, Mike, Mike Huckabee. Huckabee. So, right. So, you know, I think it's been interesting. I think the media has not gotten so much into, you know, downplaying Iowa because for them, it makes sense to make this a big deal. But I think to a lot of people who've been really paying attention to the way this race shakes out, I think there is an interesting revelation of, and again, I, the larger conversation of the value of Iowa is, I'll leave others to d discuss that. But in this potential cycle, I think it seems to point to further Republicans that New Hampshire is where, this, is where it gets interesting. Much like the Democrats in 2020 with South Carolina, they punted on the first two. And the second Biden took South Carolina, he never looked back. Yep. No, and we leave it there uh, because it is interesting. I think the networks, everybody had this same philosophy. Look, one candidate is spending all his money, time, visits, resources in this one state. He was the guy that was supposed to be the next great thing. He's the one that's gotten the endorsement of the governor, the biggest evangelical leader in the state. So let's see what happens when you put all of this behind one candidate, see where he shakes out. And where he shaked out was Trump not showing up that much in Iowa, Trump not debating them, which is going to go down, by the way, in political history, in my opinion, as one of the smartest moves of all time, to not engage in anything related with the RNC, any debates. No, I'm going to set up my own shop and compete against you. Listen, 
I know we don't like the former president, you and I. You've got to admit, that's like Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm when he built the spite store just to spite somebody else's coffee shop that he didn't like anymore. Like, that's very similar. Like, I, it's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. I was like, it's, it's true. He didn't participate in any of this stuff. And he, like, bucked the conventional trend. And he goes, look, I won 51%. Now, you're right. If you combine Haley and DeSantis, there's, you know, 44,000 people that voted there that are saying, We'd like somebody else. So we're going to see where that somebody else shakes out. As we get to New Hampshire, all eyes focus on New Hampshire, because if Nikki Haley can win New Hampshire, the game is back on and it makes February. And as we get into March and Super Tuesday, a lot more interesting. All right. That's our episode for today. Stay tuned for new episodes each week. As always, you want to check out any of the video portions of our interviews or any of the segments I've done on TV where I've been dead wrong. Head over to our YouTube channel, type in Can We Please Talk Podcast. We should pop right up. Audio podcast platforms, you know by now, Apple, Spotify, Google. Shout out to everybody that listens to us on Good Pods, YouTube Music. Shout out to ACAST, our hosting platform. Can't do it without them. Can't do it without each and every one of you that listens to this program. As always, I am Mike Leon. And seriously, Iowa, the best thing you've got going on for you is Caitlin Clark. Make her stay one more year. I'm Nick Saveri. I don't even know if she can stay one more year. Oh, we'll see everybody uh, next time. Can. I don't think she can. We'll see everybody next time.